Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devaraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in learning about the Ayurvedic approach to have a healthy skin and hair, I'm holding an online workshop this coming Sunday, which is the 16th of August. Please check the show notes for the registration details. In case you are listening to this episode after the 16th, please check my website for further workshop details. In today's episode, I am interviewing a mindfulness coach and yoga teacher Anna Schwartz from Germany on meditation, vulnerability and various mindfulness techniques. Hope you enjoy this podcast and now we go over to Anna. Hello Anna, thank you for being a part of my podcast. I'm so looking forward for this interview with you. Thank you, Vinesh. I'm very honored to be in your podcast. I'm a great fan. Well, that's that's uh, it's so kind of you to say those things. And I'm really looking forward to talk about mindfulness and the work that you do. So, mm-hmm. so coming from a corporate background and having a job in the IT sector, and then you had a shift. You know, there was, I'm sure there was an aha moment that got you into mindfulness and yoga and connection with our inner self what was it i'm curious to know your story about that wow um yeah i think there are like looking back now i think there are various moments where i slowly slowly realized there is a little bit more than numbers and making money mm-hmm. um, sadly enough it came a little bit later in my life like uh, when i was studying the first time i had this aha moment i think was I was studying abroad in Mexico and I was doing all kinds of classes to improve my Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so I also found myself taking a yoga class on the campus there with a local yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And I knew yoga because I did it with a friend back in my childhood with a CD recordings. And actually I had no idea what yoga is, but I kind of was already familiar with the movements. And so I was joining this class and the teacher was maybe a little bit, unconventional let's say mm-hmm. <laughs> he uh, like we practice on the open campus and i was the new girl there being blunt you already stand out a little bit in mexico and i already got more attention than i actually wanted <laughs> um but then he made us do all kinds of weird things like walking around with lion's breath sticking the tongue out and whatever mm-hmm. and i realized yeah. oh my god i was so embarrassed i was really embarrassed and i was so imprisoned in my own body because I actually didn't want to do or I couldn't enjoy letting loose or doing any kind of movement because I always felt people observe me and they judge me and I cared so much what they were actually saying Mm -hmm. and realizing this was for me like holy shit like I'm I'm holding back I'm like imprisoned in my own thoughts and I can't act freely as I wanted to because I care so much about what other people say. And then also in the same class, um, my first Chavasana, I always say it's like my first and best ever trip that got me hooked to yoga. Um, Because I was very much always in a monkey mind, always with a to-do list in my head, like I need to do this, need to do that. Then always busy thinking what other people think about me. Mm -hmm. And so when I first practiced Chavasana after the yoga class, I actually fell asleep and (laughs) 
when I got woke again by the teacher, I was I was actually embarrassed, of course, always embarrassed. Um, but then I realized, oh my God, like I haven't been able to sleep during the day for so long. And now it just happened after this yoga class. So I was, I got hooked on it and I was like, okay, I need to practice this and see what's in there. And yeah, that's how I got into the path of yoga, like properly. Wow, that's a very uh, insightful story that you're saying. I think this fear of judgment and monkey mind, it goes really hand in hand. It's very complementary to each other. Yes, exactly. And it holds you back from so many things. Huh? It's like you know, driving with a handbrake on in your car. And that just completely restricts our ability to enjoy this moment of now. Exactly. And just to unfold what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And it, like so many people that I also know, know, and I feel like a lot of people are actually drawn to me who feel they are stuck in their lives and they actually have a dream. They want to do something, but they're still scared because they feel like they cannot do it because what would other people think? I think this is where the teachings of Friedrich Nietzsche comes into place. You know, he talks about how we have to have a war with this fear and kill it. Only then you can move ahead in your life and to find your real freedom. Yeah, slaying the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so you got into mindfulness and you say this mindfulness is a way to come out of this fear of judgment or this monkey mind. Yes, because you get out of your head and actually into your body and it frees up everything. Like... It's a moment when you realize that you can free yourself from the thoughts, from everything that's in your head, from everything that you created in your head. It's a moment when you actually tap into life and when you can start living really freely. And in this fear of judgment, I think we all, to some extent, have it. You know, We all want to be in the good books of the people we like and also the good books of people we don't like. You know, somewhere I read this uh, statement, you know, we buy things we don't need oh, uh, yes. with the money that we don't have to impress people yeah. we don't like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so true. Like if you look at the population, I would say this applies to like 98%. Exactly. So I, I'm sure if we can come out of that, you know, we are freeing up so much of our nervous energy that it's yeah. like suddenly you released a huge baggage from your shoulders. And how do we... Yes and no. Exactly. Uh, yes and no, definitely. There's some aspect that is a big yes and some aspect we are worried, oh my God, then what will happen? Will I be excluded? Will I be isolated? I think also, the fear... Yourself, what do I actually want? So exactly. if I don't care about others anymore, so who am I? And that's when the, all the journey starts and all the seeking and yeah, the longing. Exactly. And I think this fear of judgment is another uh, rephrasement of the word, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be lonely. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know if you know Dr. Brene Brown. Um, mm-hmm. She's a mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, she once said, like, basically, all we long for is connection. That's what we're here for. And I always remind Myself. like whenever someone treats me unfairly or whatever i always remind myself they're not doing this against me they're doing this for themselves because they fear of being isolated fear of being unhappy of being unwell 
Now that's a profound statement what you just made. I think in the Course in Miracles, they have this saying, every cry or a complaint is a call for love. Yes. Yeah. And what that's... techniques do you teach in this mindfulness so that we come out of this fear of judgment, monkey mind, and fear of being lonely? And think, I think the mindfulness is you know, helping you to connect with the most important person in your life, which is yourself. I guess that's what we're coming into. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there are so many techniques and tools. Like, first of all, like, what is mindfulness? Um, mindfulness is basically just the art or the skill of being aware of what's going on within you and also being aware of what's going on around you. So it's, yeah, it means to be really aware and to be present. And sometimes this means that we have to start to actually learn how to pay attention. Mm. And I think in a world that we're living in right now where our attention is so much sought after, like just, I mean, I've been working in product development, like for mobile um, mm -hmm. platforms and so on. And I wrote my thesis about gamification. So I actually know all the tricks and tools, how to draw users into their phones. And that's also when I started like, Oh, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to help people to, be attentive to where they are and what they're doing and not to steal this attention from them because that's in the end, like that's our most valuable thing that we have um, to be attentive. And then we can get to through various techniques like meditation is just one big word uh, for all kinds of practices that help you to stay in the moment and to reach a different level of consciousness. And the beauty is that there are so many different meditations because people are different. Not everyone is the same. And maybe someone who is really restless, they cannot sit still or they don't even have the body to sit on the floor. And like their body's aching after one second and they scream, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. So they need something more active. And then it's great, for instance, like yoga asana to have meditation in motion and to give them some sort of movement. Or if you go into Osho meditations where it's very dynamic and you shake, you dance, sometimes even screaming is part of a, like letting go and expressing feelings and thoughts that are maybe still in your body, but have never had a chance to be released and now are stuck in form of stuck energy, which means that you're tensing up. Um, so yeah, the techniques I'm teaching are quite um, uh, comprehensive, I guess, because I, I like to experiment. I love to travel, as you know. <laughs> and so I always look for different teachings, different teachers, and what I learn, what works for me, I share with others. So I use Osho meditations as I believe that the dynamic aspect can be great for people, especially in the urban context that are very used to just sit down and be busy with a hundred things at the same time. They need to get into their body. Um, I mean, I'm teaching yoga asana, so to help people to get into their body and to develop body awareness, which mm -hmm. thus helps us then to become aware of our emotions, which are actually perceptions in the body. Um, and journaling is also a great meditative practice or just sitting in silence. I mean, I've been practicing vipassana um, and so... Yeah, I have a wide range of tools and I would say not one fits all, but yeah, it's always about finding the right tool for this 
uh, individual person and also for the individual day or state of mind. Because in one day I need to sit in stillness and the other day I just need to move. That's interesting how you talked about, you know, uh, when you're working with the online platforms, how much we are distracted. In fact, I was mm. listening to one speech and they were saying that uh, there are professionals who are paid in millions of dollars in Silicon Valley just to make sure that your attention is never with you the way where you want. You know. exactly. Everybody is you know, paid so that our attention is always going to where somebody else wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's in the end, control attention, you control a life. Exactly. You know, energy goes where your focus goes. So that's where the whole idea of mindfulness and meditation comes. Mm. And usually, you know, when the moment we talk about meditation, some people are like, oh my God, that's not for me. I tried it. It's not working. And usually mm-hmm. when they say I tried it, it's not working, they would have tried it for like a few minutes and they say it's not working. <laughs> they think that it's never going to work for them. It's like a baby saying the first time it, the baby tried to get up, it's not working. So I cannot walk anymore. <laughs> exactly yeah i like the image um yeah i've heard it many many times and also i understand it i mean it's hard in the beginning if you're restless if you have a monkey mind like if in the beginning someone would have asked me just sit still and do nothing like you're wondering am i doing it right like what am i supposed to do like i'm supposed to be doing something like i just know how to do to act huh? so I think it's important to have a teacher in the beginning or to have a course or someone you can trust and you can ask. So when it comes to that baby steps that you can start with, where would you recommend to start? Um, I would recommend to experiment, to try different things things because if maybe sitting still is not working for you yet i mean that doesn't mean that it won't work later on in your uh, journey Mm -hmm. but maybe trying different things trying different kind of meditation Mm -hmm. some people are really into visualizations and they love to visualize colors or scenes Um, some people don't and then they need another approach so really trying to be open and just to go into the scene and asking people hey what kind of meditations do you know do you know any teachers maybe experimenting with apps or finding a proper teacher in person that you actually can ask questions Uh, hello hello i'm still there so, uh, well, I think the, the word monkey mind, I think that is being coined out of our animalistic behavior because the monkeys are all, always looking for where can I get the next food and where can I have the next entertainment and uh, what should I do so that I survive? Mm-hmm. I think the monkey mind is, you know, when we let our animalistic uh, ancestral patterns take over our normal day-to-day experiences. So I think it's, it's, it's a lot to do with uncertainties. You know, what is, we don't know what's going to happen next. So suddenly we feel we are out of control. Mm. So when it comes to this uncertainty, especially, you know, when you come from a place like Germany, where everything is so certain to a great extent, everything is so punctual. Because in India, we are trained to live with uncertainty to a greater extent. I'm not saying we are completely okay with uncertainty, but compared to many other countries here, uncertainty is a part of your upbringing. 
Yeah. But when you see the first world countries, one of the reasons why anxiety and depression is so high, it is because there is a huge fear. If I don't know what's going to happen next, if I don't know who's going to be with me, if I don't know what's going to be there for the next moment, I think something is there to come and get me. Hmm. I think in such situations, how can we use this mindfulness? Okay. Um, it's a big topic you're bringing up and I like it, how you phrase it. It immediately brought all the images of India to my mind and actually I understood. That's why I love it so much. You really learn how to trust and to just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. um, but in Germany especially, yeah, I see it a lot like anxiety and depression rising so much. Also, if you look at the statistics and um, uh, association with uncertainty really makes sense um, so mindfulness kicks in as the base like it starts with becoming aware yeah because you feel anxiety in your body that needs to be noticed and then also okay so where does this restlessness where does this fear come from mm -hmm. it comes from the mental processes like from all the thoughts arising in your mind Mm -hmm. um, it's something that you make up. It's not necessarily the reality. It's just a reality that you create in your head mm -hmm. because all of these thoughts about like, oh, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe then this and then this is everything that the mind makes up. And I mean, to a certain degree, some sort of fear is okay. So we're not becoming super um, risk taking and are attentive to protect our lives, not running onto the streets without looking if there are any cars. But then if it becomes overactive, like the part in our brain, the amygdala, if it's always um, active and stimulized, mm -hmm. um, we really hinder ourselves to live our life and especially to enjoy it. And I think what's missing is trust. Yeah, and it, it needs a lot to rebuild this trust. Trust in yourself as a person who always has the right skills to deal with any kind of situation. Trusting that you have the necessary people around you, that you have um, a community around you or maybe family who holds you when you feel like you don't have the skills or you can't deal with it anymore. And I think that's another problem here in the first world countries. Like, the whole communities are breaking apart or also family is not such a tight concept as if you, for instance, compare it with India or other places where family is a lot tighter and you can really rely and trust that there is someone to also hold you and to mm -hmm. love you. And yeah, so I feel there is a big, big connection, um, anxiety and depression and lacking trust. That's a um, really insightful uh, thing that you when it comes to trust, I think uh, with a person with anxiety, he doesn't trust the future. With a person with a depression, they also don't trust the future, but they just gave up hope. They don't trust that anything is possible anymore. Yeah, they gave up the hope that anything good will also enter into their lives, no? Exactly. Or anything will change. I mean, if you're in depression, all the thoughts are always in the same circle and your brain is kind of stuck in the same circuits. Like the neurons are not so... Active, con actively connected with other parts of the brain anymore mm -hmm. and that's actually where breath work um, works really nicely like I've seen really great with, uh, results for people who suffer from depression and who work regularly with breath work. Is there any particular 
breath work that you teach or that you practice that you would like to share? Um, <laughs> this might sound a bit funny, but like last year I came up with an event called LSD yoga mm -hmm. and LSD in this uh, term stands for long, slow, deep, but it also has kind of a connection to LSD as a chemical drug, because mm -hmm. if you're looking at uh, people who took the drug in brain, brain scanners, you see that their brains are really actively connected and communicating different parts. Um, and that's actually what people with depression are missing. But LSD, I mean, especially if you're not used to handle your own emotions and handle your reality and your thoughts, I would never recommend it. Um, but breathwork can bring you into a similar state of mind. Like uh, there's holotropic breathing, for instance, mm -hmm. and it was developed by a therapist, Sanislav Grof, and he was working with LSD in the past and then it got, uh, was illegalized. Mm -hmm. And he was looking for different methods, how to still work with his patients. And he found that in indigenous tribes, they were using this kind of breath work to get into these altered states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so he applied it and used it and framed it. And in this event that we were running, it was a journey, like we used a lot of breath work, but a bit different uh, from holotropic breath. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but it was also like the first part was fully on building trust. Like we spend a lot of time on making sure that people trust the space mm -hmm. that they're in, especially trusting me as a facilitator. And I had another woman with me who is DJing mm -hmm. and who like um, created the right atmosphere for that. Mm -hmm. And that they can really trust us, knowing that we can hold them. Like if anything goes out of control, if they feel unwell or whatever, that we're there for them. Mm -hmm. And also to trust the other people in the room, that mm -hmm. they feel safe and comfortable, that they're feeling held. And that's, again, when it comes back to community. And then in the end, we also work with movement because also doing breath work, you're freeing up a lot of energy and for me, energy, I also see it in relation to emotions. So emotion for me is uh, energy in motion. And sometimes that energy gets stuck in the body and it doesn't flow freely anymore. And that's where we feel like, oh, everything's tight or we're holding onto it. And sometimes this frees up and suddenly there's a huge uh, flow of energy coming in. So we worked with different yoga postures to guide and direct this energy as well as in the end, it turned into a kind of ecstatic dance, um, which was also always supported by the music, which really guided us onto this journey. Um, yeah, and it was a little bit like a ritual. Um, I had a shamanic experience later, uh, early in this year, and I realized, oh my God, like what I created is really um, similar to a shamanic experience, uh, but I had never had it before, so it was quite interesting because it was very intuitive, but yeah. So like for me, it really showed how connected the mind and the body are, especially after, you know, we always had big sharing rounds and I took great time to talk with each participant and to know how they experienced it, what was going on for them, if they need any further assistance or anything to talk about. So yeah, breathwork can really, really um, open up a lot of channels. It's interesting how you uh, put the name long sleep deep. Long slow deep. Long slow deep. Long slow deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I it's think... also a dreamlike, dreamlike state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think the altered state, I think we all are looking for that altered state. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, when you realize your body is the greatest chemical factory ever devised. And once mm-hmm. you know how these can be altered in a natural, organic, healthy way, you don't need these you know, slow, poisonous stuff that can kill you in the long run. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where the breathing comes in a huge possibility. Yeah, and also the meditation, becoming aware of... I mean, if you apply all the mindfulness techniques, you don't only practice this when you're in your mindfulness practice, when you're sitting on a cushion or doing whatever you do to practice meditation. It really enlarges onto your life and you start to become aware into your everyday activities. So when you walk through the park, you suddenly realize, wow, all the beauty that's around you. Mm-hmm. The winds that just rustle with their leaves or seeing the different shades of colors in the sky and suddenly a whole world opens up right? just by paying attention and by learning how to pay attention in every situation of your life. And yeah, when you learn this uh, guided with learning how to use your body, I think there is no need to rely on any external use of drugs or um, yeah, anything that puts you into an altered state. I think those are for people who don't trust in themselves. Yes. And I have to admit, sometimes maybe it can be helpful for people who are in a really bad um, desperate situation. Give them an opening point. But then also it's so important to have someone who is very, very experienced and trustworthy and knows how to deal and how to hold people because there's so much going on and especially now like if you look also in shamanic communities um, a lot of exploitation and yeah one has to be very careful Mm -hmm. but also with meditation um, um, I've seen people who suffer from anxiety um, and for them sitting still can also trigger a lot so Mm. it's not just you sit still you shut your mouth and you're just there but it's it's powerful and people need to be aware of it. And sometimes, you know, spirituality can also be a disguise. You know, sometimes we think that, okay, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. And we say this and we miss the whole point of spirituality. Yes. I think the purpose of anxiety, it is like coming and telling you, you need to prepare for something. You need to, you know, like the saying, don't kill the messenger just because you don't like the message. Anxiety mm. is just a messenger giving you some message you need to prepare and you need to look at what you can actually focus, not on what you cannot. Yeah. And in this side, I think some people bring in spirituality in the wrong place and say everything is going to be all right. And they are like the ostrich keeping its mouth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes things are just not all right and it's okay. And it's important to also look at that. The world is not just rainbows and unicorns. There's also a shadow part to it. And neglecting the shadow means also neglecting the sun because if there is no shadow, there is no sunlight. Exactly. I think where we need to start is having the middle path, like all the great teachers have said. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's It's so simple, you know. It's like just finding the middle part, but it's so perfect profound like not always going to the edges to the extremes 
and also it sounds easy but then in daily life it's always a practice to remind yourself and saying okay i'm going crazy again i'm overworking i'm overexhausting myself i'm going to the edge i need to find balance exactly but and also if you look at how the humanity has evolved you know, we don't have to work like how it, how it used to be during the Industrial Revolution, where you carry the head load workers. Today, it's not that, you know, you earn more by working harder. You, uh, you earn more because of your creativity, because of how you can, because of your output that can happen. And this output comes when you are in your better emotional state. It is when, at that point, you are able to solve problems in a much better way. Yes, exactly. Yeah, with joy and creativity. Mm-hmm. And that again, for me, it links back to trust. Like for me, the root of everything is trust. Exactly. I think the word trust is overused or underrated in many aspects. But deep inside, <laughs> I think the concept of mindfulness is about you know, trusting your inner intelligence. And that is where everything is coming to. Yes, exactly. And you yeah. mentioned something about journaling. Is there some techniques that you follow when it comes to journaling? Journaling, um, yeah, I use it a lot. Like when I feel like I'm a little bit overwhelmed, like yesterday I had a long meeting and in the end it came down to thinking about uh, founding a company together and then there there are so many other projects going on right now and I was Mm -hmm. sitting and I was like, my to-do list got longer and longer and I was like, okay, do I actually want this? Mm -hmm. Because so many times I'm stuck in a pattern of just following along because mm-hmm. opportunities arise and I just take them and go along. But then it's so important to ask yourself, do I want this? Does mm-hmm. it bring me joy? Because then you can actually tap into your creative power. Mm-hmm. And so in this point, I was like putting everything aside. I got my notebook out and I just allowed myself to write freely everything that was on my head. So I stop overthinking what I'm writing and I'm just allowing all the words to flow onto the paper without looking at it, without stopping, just allowing the words to write. And this is like a more free flow journaling. Um, what I also sometimes use in the morning is kind of a morning pages uh, routine to just clear my mind in the morning. Mm-hmm. But then also it can be very helpful if you have a specific topic you would like to think or analyze about. You could just start with a prompt and saying maybe what I want my life to look at, uh, look like in 10 years is, and then starting from this sentence, you just start to write and maybe use a timer, 10 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And afterwards you just look at what you wrote and just circle or highlight what words popped up the most. Maybe there's a surprise coming up. Maybe you find yourself becoming really creative with your ideas or images that you have. And it's also just a way of looking at your thoughts, looking at your mind. It's, it's so fantastic you brought this up. I think this concept, I read it in, in the artist's way of Julia Cameron about the morning pages. Mm-hmm. You know, you release mm-hmm. your creativity blocks. And what she says is mm-hmm. we all are creative by nature. And if somebody is not creative, it's not that they are lazy, they are just blocked. And writing mm-hmm. is such a great laxative for this Brain constipation of creativity, I guess. <laughs> Brain constipation, I like it. <laughs> yeah. And I think breathing is a, also a great way to release that. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's really just simple tools, you know. It doesn't have to be fancy. And also these are tools that are available for everyone. That's also what I like about it. Like 
Is we all think being mindful doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean that you have to spend a lot of money or anything. It just uses it means to use your brain. Exactly. I think when I tell people, you know, I, when people come and say I have to change, they are expecting there should be some blockbuster idea to come and you know turn around their life. And we say just start with basic things. Get back to your basics. Start with your breathing. Start with your lifestyle. Start with your journaling. And once you get to know yourself, then you see, okay, these are the little things that built up and you see suddenly, oh, my life is much better today when I look at myself one year ago. Oh, and I also remember like actually in your retreat, there was this gratitude journal mm -hmm. and I loved it so much. It's so beautiful and so simple, you know, just mm -hmm. every day reminding yourself, I actually do it when I go to sleep, I lie in bed and then I think about what I'm grateful for, for this day and like i go to bed with a smile because i realize so many great things are there like my life is so rich and i can be so lucky to be on this earth um and it also trains you to find the good in everything i'm sure see we we all have a lot of suffering going on but at the same time when we consciously choose what to look at it you know the, there's someone who's, who keeps telling you know things could be worse so <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, things could be even worse than this. So that's one way of, you know, I mean, we are not worse, but they're not. <laughs> exactly. Things could be worse, but that doesn't mean that we are being pessimistic, and that doesn't mean we are tolerating mm -hmm. the reality. But it's just a way of not letting you go into that rabbit hole of your monkey mind, right? So that your yes. state of mind is better to come out of that. Yeah. I mean, it's important to see, as I said before, it's not just rainbows and unicorns. And it's important to also look at these things because you also, at some point, you need to act out and you need to stand up and say, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like still maintaining your focus to look at both sides and not to then completely go into the negative side. Exactly. I think the, the, our ability is how soon we catch ourselves getting into that negativity loop and then yes. bouncing back from there. I think that's where our real emotional muscle works. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about becoming aware. I was just thinking like, I know many people who are very active or activists, you know, who are fighting for a certain cause. And of course, it's great that they look at this Uh, certain topics and at the darker side and I'm very much I'm so happy that they do it but at the same time so many activists they burn out because they get into this treadmill of only looking at the bad side mm. and only seeing what's wrong with the world and I know there's so much wrong with the world no question but if you only look at this side then you're burning out because you lose hope you lose trust here it is again exactly I think the, the issue with our brain is if you give it um, it's like a torpedo, you know, if you look at how many bad things you can see right now, even if there is a good thing, you know, you will want to see the bad things there. Yes. <laughs> I think we need to focus this torpedo in the right direction. That's all. Yeah. And that's uh, a muscle work. You framed exactly. it very nicely. Mindfulness can be trained. It's like going to the gym. You just have to make space for it and yeah. commit to it. Yeah, we have fantastic analogies. One is definitely like going to the gym. The other one is gardening. If you don't garden it, you know, the weeds will keep growing and it will take over. And our mm -hmm. ability is to keep as many less weeds as possible. Yeah. 
And also reminding yourself the muscle or the garden is already there. You don't mm -hmm. have to like build everything from scratch. It's just about maintaining what's there. Exactly. And sometimes the garden maybe is already a little bit wild <laughs> or the muscles are very, very, very weak. But we all need to start from somewhere. So just the most important thing is just start. Just do your work. So where would you recommend, one last question, to start? Mm -hmm. Which is the best place to start with? Um, well, it's not so easy, I think, because it's different for everyone. But if I was someone who had not really an idea about mindfulness, mm -hmm. I would reach out and ask in my, my circle of friends if anyone has experience or recommendations. Because also what I find is community helps. If you have someone you can exchange your thoughts with, it helps you to stay committed. Mm -hmm. It helps you to stay accountable and to really keep going. And maybe there are other people who are interested in diving deeper. And maybe you just want to have a look at a meditation app. Um, just browsing what is there. Maybe someone knows a great class or anything. And then start from there start together, exchange your ideas. If it doesn't work, use something different and keep trying and stay curious. I think that curiosity is so important so that we mm -hmm. try to look for something new. Yes, because that's what the mind likes to mm -hmm. do, no? So why not giving it the space and a place to explore and to look at different things? We have everything at the fingertips today with that smartphone, such a powerful device. You know, you can use it to kill you or you can use it to get better on yourself. Exactly. <laughs> that was a fantastic discussion, Anna. So glad that we could have this finally. Mm. And where can people find your work? I will definitely be putting this in the show notes of this podcast. So it will be nice if you can let us know how people can reach out to you and find your work. Yes, um, you can find me on my website, alphaomega.yoga, mm -hmm. or also just look on Instagram or on Facebook. I am quite active on social media and I like to write. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there are some posts who are a bit longer. Sometimes I also just share very nice quotes that summarize everything that I really truly believe in. Um, and you also find this uh, through looking on Instagram or Facebook for Alpha Omega Yoga. I love the post that you put up. It's really insightful wisdom quotes that you put and also how you, you know, put it in such a way that we can use in our daily life. Yes. That's great. Alpha Omega Yoga. Yes. Thank you so much, Anna. And it was really a pleasure to have you in my podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And to all the listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, do share and do subscribe and do write a review over this. Thank you.